0: Welcome to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about scrupulosity. At CBCD, we are blessed to have a team of like-minded local pastors who work together to train believers in biblical counseling and discipleship. And I am excited to have with me today one of those men, my good friend, Brent Osterberg. Brent is the preaching pastor at Living Hope Bible Church in Mansfield, Texas, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He is also a counselor with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. And Brent is here today to talk with me about the problem of... Scrupulosity. So, Brent, thank you so much for being here, brother.
1: Yeah, Keith, it's a pl- pleasure to be here. I, I love the ministry that you guys have set up here in Granbury. CBCD is something that's uh, been on my heart. I was praying this morning for the ministry, just that the Lord would, would deepen it and expand the influence of, of what uh, the website and also the podcast will do.
0: Well, praise the Lord. We appreciate your prayers and appreciate you being part of the team too. Absolutely. So so we're here today to talk about scrupulosity. And so the question everybody wants to know is, what is this term? What is scrupulosity?
1: It's probably an unfamiliar word for a lot of people. And so uh, another uh, term we can use is religious OCD. Um, That's uh, probably more familiar to think of OCD. More people, most people know what obsessive compulsive disorder is or something about it. Uh, but uh, you put religious in front of that, and that gives you an indication of what scrupulosity would be. And so, l- let me talk just for a second, if I can, uh, about uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, and then relate that to that religious great. OCD. Yes. Um, Michael Emlett has said this about obsessions, because if you're talking about OCD, you start with the O. Um, obsessions are are these. There are persistent thoughts, impulses, or images that you find intrusive, inappropriate, and anxiety-inducing. Well, the C in OCD is compulsions. And so this is what Michael Emlett says about um, compulsions. They are ritualistic behaviors or mental processes processes to temporarily neutralize or reduce the anxiety associated with your obsession. Um, so when we think about OCD in general, we tend to think about cleanliness, orderliness. You know, someone uh, doesn't like the fact that the, the pictures on the wall are askew, that kind of thing, or washing your hands multiple times. Um, but with religious OCD, it's going to be uh, different issues in particular. Um, morality issues, spiritual or moral issues are going to be the, the content that surrounds religious OCD. So scrupulosity, I think scruples, right? That That helps you understand where the word comes from. And so uh, Michael Amelon also says this about scrupulosity. He says it's a tender conscience on steroids. Hmm. Um, and that it helps you understand why Christians in particular might really struggle with this. As we desire to want to be pleasing to the Lord, uh, we, can, we can tend to obsess over um, righteousness and doing the right thing and following uh, the law um, so that we end up... Know, staring off into a life that 's mastered by fear, and then, mm-hmm. really fear is at the heart of this, and so you 're not going to find that terminology scrupulosity in the Bible, but certainly many scriptures on fear and how to respond to the Lord in that way right
0: So what are some of the manifestations? Uh, so this is a religious form of OCD, uh, a tender conscience that uh, is striving to honor God, but it's fear driven rather than maybe faith driven yeah. What are some of the manifestations uh, of people that would
1: struggle with with this? Well, uh, examples of obsessions that people might have that deal with scrupulosity um, something like an intrusive thought about hurting somebody you know, that you're angry with or somebody that, that annoys you. Just uh, that, that uh, intrusive thought enters your mind kind of w- without you. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't, uh, it's something that happens all of a sudden. In other words, it's it's impulsive, it just happens, and so uh, that can be an example of an obsession. Also, uh, maybe a person thinking that he or she has lusted simply because they saw a person who is attractive. That that's another example. Or obsessing over whether or not um, you can enjoy the good gifts of God, something like food or entertainment. Uh, those are some of the obsessions that people can have. But also uh, compulsions in response to those obsessions might be something like a ritualistic confession of sin. That's, that's not dynamic in a relationship with the Lord, but it's just, I need to say these words in response to the obsession that I am plagued with right now. Also, uh, morbid introspection. Um, Martin Lloyd Jones calls it morbidity, right? The uh, the constant looking in and self-examination. Now, certainly, we're called to examine ourselves as Christians. Uh, the Apostle Paul calls us to that in Second Corinthians. But uh, whenever, whenever we have morbid introspection, it's just it's dwelling. It's uh, it's taking your heart and you're turning it over and turning it to the left and the right and just what's going on in my heart. I have to know. It's you get stuck down there. In other words, mm-hmm. um, and then you know asking forgiveness or apologizing. There are some examples of okay. compulsions. Well,
0: that's very good. So uh, how does the Bible approach this topic? You mentioned fear. You know, we look up scrupulosity in our concordance. We're not going to find it, but we, we find lots of passages on the fear. So, so frame this, this topic up through a biblical lens. What does the Bible have to say about
1: scrupulosity? Oh, um, in particular, when you think of fear, a, a, a typical text you might think of is uh, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 which talks about casting your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. And a person who is struggling with scrupulosity needs that verse. Um, Many others, but that's just a basic verse I think that can be really useful because um, whenever someone is being morbidly introspective, for for instance, there is some thought that they've had and they can't handle the fact that that is present in their heart, in their mind, that they might be that kind of person is, it plagues them. Well, they, instead of casting their anxieties on the Lord, they're really casting anxieties on themselves, Hmm. putting that back on their own shoulders. And now I've got to figure out what I can do I've got to assess my own heart, so I'm trusting myself in the assessment of my heart. At the same time, I'm trusting myself to know what to do. Um, I need to keep checking my own heart. I need to to take the compulsion now, which is my response to the obsession, and I've got to engage in that so I can neutralize the obsession. And so it's there is uh, a self trust that uh, there's, and really it comes down to a self love. Um, it's I think John Street uh, says something about. Uh, um, the love of self that's that's helpful here. Um, he has a quote: "What a person fears the most tells tells you what they love the most." Hmm. And so it, it's self trust, but it's also self love. And so there's a lot of scripture that ha- speaks to that in particular. I'm trusting myself to deal with my obsession, but I'm also doing this because I I want uh, this version of myself, so to speak. And I feel like I don't have this version of myself that I want so badly. Hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm loving myself in this pursuit of um, of neutralizing the obsession.
0: Hmm. So it's very self-focused. Mm-hmm. It's fear-driven. So the Bible would come at it really through those two lenses. And, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: Verses like uh, another familiar verse to us, like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So uh, the scrupulous person is going to be leaning on their own understanding instead of trusting the Lord and uh and that's that's serious because we- we can't handle the anxieties we don't have the capacity for that, and so that's why you spiral downward and you end up being crippled by this fear because you're not letting the Lord take it for you yeah uh, so yeah.
0: okay, so let's say there's somebody listening to this podcast and they are struggling. This is a dear brother, or sister in Christ, but they are plagued by a fear driven faith as you're describing it, and maybe they think they've uh, committed the unpardonable sin, maybe they think that uh, they 're not doing enough for Jesus in their local church, and it 's leading them to just this morbid introspection that you described and and just um, activity and and constant confession and and so they 're stuck in this if someone 's listening uh, to this podcast and they 're struggling, how would you begin to counsel them and encourage them if if that 's the mode that they find themselves in
1: I would first want them to hear me say that it probably feels very hopeless for them, um, and very dark, but there is, there is hope. There is comfort. There is help from the Lord. He is a very present help in time of need. He is that God, and it doesn't matter what we're struggling with. Um, he He does have the grace that's necessary, the truth that speaks to that problem. And so, I would I would want them to know that it's it's not hopeless. First of all, I, personally, I have, I've struggled with it, these kinds of issues, and which is one of the reasons why I've gone on a hunt for what the Bible says, so that I can have that hope. And so, uh, speaking kind of as as a guy who's has worked through this, and by the power of the Spirit and, and the Word. Uh, that person needs to know that the Bible is sufficient, first mm-hmm. of all, and so I, I would want them to to kind of focus in on maybe two. Um, I want them to focus in on understanding that there's a misdirected trust here and a misdirected love. Okay. There's lots of things we could say about this, but let's let's focus on those two things. Okay. Um, you are believing in yourself to deal with this. Um, you're you're taking an obsession. And you are responding to it um, with a with a compulsion, whatever that compulsion is for you, whatever you choose to use. I mean, it could be something like, um, like I said, apologizing and confessing. You know, maybe it's someone in particular you feel like, what if they're offended by me? You know, what if they think this about me? And how does it reflect back on what I think about myself? And well, you so you you go and you apologize and you confess to that person um, frequently. Well, that's you trusting in yourself, and you think, oh, well, that. That sounds right, though. Shouldn't we confess our sins to one another? That's a good thing, right? Well, not if you're trusting in the confession itself. Hmm. And we need to confess, but that confession needs to be um, a manifestation of our faith in God because of who God is, because of what God has said. And so we've got to be very careful. It's because it's tricky. Our our heart is, um, is deceitful, right? Satan is a prowling lion. We've got to be careful that we are make, making sure that uh, we are confessing sin and doing what God wants us to do for him and by him. And so I would want you to to try and examine maybe some of the religious things you're doing that you think are the right thing to be doing, but it's actually with the wrong motivation. You're trusting in the duty and not in the God who saved you through His Son, hmm. so uh, there's a misdirected trust there. You know, uh, believing your thoughts are the final word, right? Uh, f- uh, the functional denial of the gospel really is what what you have uh, you've put upon yourself. It sounds like you're being religious. I mean, in, in, I guess you are really doing doing that. You're being religious in terms of a form or a system, but your relationship with God and believing what He's done for you in Christ—that's abandoned. And so um, you've got to re- realize that sometimes you're using your compulsions as a way to self-atone hmm. instead of trusting in the atonement of Christ on your behalf. And so there's misdirected trust. There's also misdirected love, like I said. Um, in, instead of loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you are loving yourself. Um, whatever version of yourself you so badly want to be, you are, you're capitalizing on that and you're afraid because you love yourself. It's, um, it's not because, um, I mean, it, it can be very confusing, I think, for us to think about uh, loving ourselves. What do you mean I'm afraid? How do how, how fear and love, how do those two things fit together? But it's exactly right. I'm afraid that I, I'm not the person I want to be. And so instead of loving the Lord, you're really loving yourself. And so you've got to be careful as well, because when you turn to the scriptures, you you can be very selective with, with the scriptures that you use when you're, when you're scrupulous, so don't be selective with the, with the scriptures. You know, a person that's struggling with a religious OCD, uh, they, they may capitalize on first Peter one fifteen, which says, you know, where, um, the old Testament is quoted and Peter says, um, be holy for I am holy, right? Well, that you can capitalize on that as a scrupulous person, but then forget about the fact that in First Peter chapter two verse twenty four, we're, we're we're spoken to, or, or he gives us this this wonderful gospel centered verse. I'm just going to look it up real quick so I don't mess up the the quotation of it, which is. Um, In chapter 2, verse 24, whenever Peter writes this, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We forget that verse, but we capitalize on the the verses that talk about his his holiness and how we are to exemplify that. And so we can be very selective. So turn to the word, but make sure that you're being balanced. And we can also be selective um, with the attributes of God that we choose to capitalize on or, or to meditate on. We can think about his holiness and his justice to neglect of his love and his mercy. Hmm. And um we can also be selective on what um what is true of our inner man. Because yes, the, the scriptures do tell us that our heart is deceitful and wicked. That's that's true. But the scriptures also tell us that if we're in Christ, then we have the Holy Spirit. And we are Second Corinthians five, seventeen. We have a new heart, right? We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so those both of those things are true. And so we we can be very selective in the way that we use the scriptures, where we we trust ourselves, we we love ourselves, and then we we think I've got to use the scriptures now because I've been told that's where my hope is. But then we take the the word and we we don't use it properly. We we gear it toward our um, predisposition, if you will, toward morbidity.
0: Yeah, that's very helpful. Very good insights so. there. So so let's let's come at it a little bit different direction. Let's say there's somebody's listening to this and it's not uh, they're not the ones with the struggle, but they are married to somebody that struggles with this, or they see in their adult child this tendency. Uh, How would you counsel that family member or friend who has someone, a loved one, who's struggling with this sort of religious-driven fear?
1: Um, I I think I would call them to be patient first. Hmm. It's it's hard for the person they feel like in, in talking about these things, I think so with others, even others who are very close to them and that love them. Um, like this sounds crazy. And this, this sounds, um, like it's, you know, it's, it's very hard to understand. And, and you, you might not even want to talk to somebody about it because it does sound a bit nuts. Um, and so you know, I've thought these kinds of things. And so, I would want the person to be patient and listen to what they're having to say. Try as best you can to understand. Now, maybe you haven't experienced those yourself, those thoughts and, and those, those sensitivities, but um, it's very real for that person, and it can be very dark. And so I would, I would call you to patience, hmm. um, but I would also want to give you tools. And so here's some tools. Some I would say, and this is for the person who's struggling right now, but also for the person that's ministering to somebody who's struggling. Um, biblical remedies. Let's talk about those. First of all, um, let's, let's call that person to trust in God's comprehensive knowledge and care. Right. The person who is scrupulous wants certainty. They so badly want to know if this is true of them. It, am, am I that person? Am I that bad? Well, the truth is, first of all, um, that we are bad. Um, we're, we're worse than we think. But God loves us. And God has sent his son to to cover all of that sin, to, to cover us in his righteousness so that we're forgiven and we're completely clean. But then on top of that, one of the sweet promises we have in Christ is that he has this comprehensive love and care over our whole lives. And so I, I think of the fact that a person who is um, struggling with religious OCD, they have to um, and trust themselves to that that goodness, that sovereign goodness of God and understand that they they can't know everything, that they, they can't be certain about certain things in their heart. It's, it's not going to happen, but God knows. And he is the one who matters most. I mean, if you want anybody to know everything about you, it's God, right? Because yes, it's really bad inside, but he has, even in spite of that, he sent his son to die for us. And he continues to love us and to help us and to change us. But, um, I think of the fact that, uh, uh somebody who is, is scrupulous may really have a hard time taking any risks or what they consider to be risks. Somebody, um, who is, who's struggling, uh, may find it a, a risk to even go into a public place for fear that they might do something to offend another person. Um, or go to sleep at night, but, Think of verses like Psalm 4, 8. David prays, um, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Hmm. God God's in control of your life. You don't know everything. You don't know possibly what uh, what's going on in your heart to the, the nth degree. You don't know what could happen. You don't have all of that information, but God does. And so you can take risks for him and to do what he's called you to do in knowing that. And so... Another text that uh, I really find helpful for you to use with somebody who is who needs to take those risks because um, maybe going to church, they're afraid that they're going to do something that just or everybody looks down upon them when they go to church and say something that's off color or or what have you. Well, this is uh, what we read in Psalm 112, verses six and seven: For the righteous will never be moved; he will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting the Lord. I love that. Not afraid of bad news. I mean, that, that applies to so many different areas of fear. But we It's because our, our heart is firm, trusting the Lord. So, um, trusting God's comprehensive knowledge and care, you can turn to Psalm 139 for that. And he knows everything about you. He knows your heart. He hems you in, right? Um, trust his care of your life. Um, also... I would call a person who's struggling, or somebody who's helping someone struggling, to relate to God and not trust in ritualism. The like I said, the the confession, the I, these are the steps I've got to go to. Here's my here's my very spiritual looking um, compulsion. Don't trust in the ritualism. Trust in God. Relate to Him. And so it feels maybe like you're relating to Him because you're saying that same confession, a prayer of confession, again. But if you turn to Psalm 119, you see just—I mean, just the dynamic relationship that the psalmist has with God. I mean, he's—he's doing things like praising God, he's making requests of God, he's telling God of the righteous choices he has made for His sake, and it's not just one thing he's doing. Like I'm saying this same prayer over and over and over again. There's just you can. There's a relationship there, and for the person struggling, they need to remember that this is not a formula. He is a. He is God. He, he is a person. He, he's the one who loves you, and so relate to Him um, in the way that you pray, in the way that you you read His Word, um, read through the Scriptures, and and praise Him for things that you see. Stop and and um, ask Him to do things in your life because of what you see. And so there, it's like this, almost like this conversation that takes place as you're you're seeking. You know, you need to believe that. So help me believe. This is wonderful. I want to sit. I want to praise Him. And in doing so, what actually happens is you take your mind off yourself, too, in doing that, and which is where the scrupulous person needs to be. They need to be drawn outside of themselves to see the wonder of who Christ is for them. And when that happens, they forget themselves. And so you think of uh, Robert Murray McShane and his quotation, that is the famous one, for every one look to self, take 10 looks to Christ. What a great quote. You know, we all need to do that. Um, so I would, I would say that. Um, got time for a few more? Sure, okay. absolutely. Keep going. All right. So um, Psalm 139, verses 22 and 23. I, I mentioned that Psalm uh, a bit ago, but there's a prayer at the end of Psalm 139 that um, the, religious, um, the person who's religiously OCD needs to pray. And this is verses 23 and 24 of Psalm 139. Search me, O God. And know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So, because of that uncertainty that they struggle with, they need to bring that prayer to the Lord, and then do the next thing you know God wants you to do. Because often prayer um, for the person uh, who struggles with religious OCD, prayer can be—you can turn that into a way to be morbidly introspective. Which is, again, using um, something good that God has given us, and we're abusing it for our own selfish hearts. And so um, you can find yourself praying for 10 minutes about the same thing, repeating the same thing over and over and over and again. But it's just a ritual. It's not prayer. It's not di- It's not evidence of a dynamic relationship with the Lord. But you pray this prayer. You ask God to show you where the sin is. that you, The real sin, not the potential sin, but the real sin that's there. Show it to me. Reveal it. And then... Um, you're asking him to lead you in the way everlasting. The next step you take after that, that prayer is to do the next, do what God wants you to do, what you know God wants you to do. Maybe it's you go in the other room and you play with your kids, or you go serve your wife in some way. Maybe it's uh, you you've uh, you're really struggling at work and you've you've got to be productive because that's what um, your your boss has called you to do, and you need to submit to that authority. Uh, it's it's kind of like Elizabeth Elliot used to say, right? Trust the Lord and do the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm saying here. Trust the Lord and do the next thing. Also, it would be a good idea for you to record deliverances that God gives you so that you can actively praise him and remember his past grace when you're struggling.
0: Like keep keep a journal or log those in some
1: way. Absolutely. So you can have this well of past grace that can inform you, you know, in Piper language, inform your faith in future grace, Mm -hmm. right? You can trust him for the future because he's been faithful in the past. You can do that. And here's, here's one that's huge. And that is remembering that Jesus was perfect for us. I'm not going to be perfect. neither the, the person who's scrupulous is not going to be perfect. Jesus, he was perfect for us, right? Uh, 1 Peter 3.18, he suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. right? He's the one who's righteous. We're the ones who are unrighteous. That he might bring us to God is what the text says. But um, he is perfect in our place. Mm-hmm. And so let him be that savior. He is that. And that doesn't mean we don't uh, strive after holiness. Certainly we do. But because he has been perfect for us, because he has been the deliverer for us. And to use kind of ACBC language, remembering that uh, God doesn't expect us to be perfect, but he does expect us to be growing, right? We grow, but we're not going to be perfect. Um, That's helpful. And I think I'll, I'll, in in terms of one more verse that I just want to that has been instrumental in my life, I'll I'll turn to, and that is Psalm 119 again. Um, Jason Cruz, who writes for the CBCD blog, gave me this verse about five years ago, and it has has yielded much fruit in my own life. And so this is Psalm 119, verses 59 and 60. The psalmist writes, when I think on my ways, he's thinking about himself, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. So there's, uh, it kind of goes back to what I was saying a, a moment ago. Um, we don't stay there. You know, you, yes, you have to examine yourself, but don't, don't go there and then remain. Go in there. And and by the way, you go down with the hope of the gospel as you're going down to look inside yourself, but you think upon your ways. And what is, what, what is it that you do after that? You turn your feet to his testimonies look in, but you, you, you've got to go back to the anchor of your soul. You've got to go back to the hope of the word. And then don't, don't, um, delay. Don't tarry. I hasten and I do not delay to keep your commandments. All
0: right. So good. Um, very practical. So good. Yeah. Thank you brother for this conversation. That's been very, very helpful to hear how you've Uh, thought about this topic through a biblical lens and then very very practical uh, verses and ways that we can minister to those that are struggling or if we're struggling ourselves so I appreciate you thank you for your time being here and the Lord continue to bless you in your ministry
1: thank you brother Uh, I appreciate it so much
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. If you would like more information about Scrupulosity, Religious OCD, I'd invite you to visit our website at thecbcd.org, where you'll find an audio workshop that Pastor Brent gave at our 2017 annual conference. He has also contributed a series of blog articles on the same topic. And if you'd like more information about Living Hope Bible Church and Pastor Brent Osterberg please visit their church's website at lhbcmansfield.com.